Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811, I'm going to get to the Supreme Court soon, and a lot of other issues out there, but before I do, this weekend, I guess it was about 9 p.m., I think it was Saturday night, I happened to watch the lawyer's for uh, the deceased gentleman in Atlanta tell their story about what happened with these two cops. I hadn't heard about this. I said, what's going on here? I had no idea who Mr. Brooks was, no idea what was taking place, and the bottom line was that they indicated that this was a black gentleman who was shot in the back by police officers. Something about a taser, a taser not being a deadly weapon. All they had to do was call Uber. You know, right away, that that doesn't sound right. So now I and you have seen all the publicly available information, including the videos. And those lawyers were, in my view, very deceitful about what took place. Clearly, this isn't the George Floyd case. Clearly, it's not the Tony Timpa case. Who's Tony Timpa? I'm going to tell you about him later. He's a white man. So I'm looking at the same videos as everyone else. And perhaps more information will become available beyond what we already know. But here's the bottom line. The police officers were called. The police officers... Tapped on the window once. Uh, Mr. Brooks kind of looked up and answered it. And then 
sort of fell back asleep. They tapped on the window again. And they were able to get his attention. They could smell the alcohol. As it turns out, they did a test, and it was well over the, uh, the legal limit. As he sat in the car, he couldn't state whether it was his car, whether it was a rented car, or whose car it was. The bottom line is, they were talking to the gentleman, and then they were going to cuff him. After he failed the sobriety tests, I believe two of them. At that point, Mr. Brooks turned violent. He's a big man, and he fought these two officers to the ground. Based on the video, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. And uh, he was swinging hard, and he hit one of them. And he also managed to seize one of the officer's tasers. And the fight was so physical that both of the officer's body cameras were thrown off their bodies. So you have individuals in the area pulling out their iPhones and taking video. Now they had warned Mr. Brooks that they were going to tase him. Several times you could hear it. Mr. Brooks flees with the taser and then he he kind of reaches around and fires the taser off now first of all the police officer can't possibly know if he's firing a taser or firing a gun or whatever and the police officer who is chasing the fleeing brooks fires his weapon three times hitting mr brooks And Mr. Brooks would eventually die. The district attorney in Atlanta is now looking to charge the police officer who fired his weapon with murder of one degree or another. The police officer has been fired. The police chief resigned. I'm not sure why. And all we're hearing and seeing is the perspective of the deceased Mr. Brooks, his lawyers, his family, the media. You haven't heard a thing from the officer, a thing from anybody who's defending the officer. But he's fired without any due process whatsoever. This isn't the George Floyd case, which was obvious. Meanwhile, apparently two white girls, white women, burned down the Wendy's restaurant, which had nothing to do with anything. Burned it to the ground. Burned it to the ground. And there's a warrant out, and they're trying to find out who those women are. And now people are protesting. Everybody knows, white, black, brown, yellow, red, whatever, intermixed. When an officer stops you, you cooperate. They have weapons. You certainly don't resist being handcuffed. 
You certainly don't resist arrest. You can work it all out later. You certainly don't assault the officers. And in assaulting the officers, you certainly don't seize one of their weapons, whether it's deadly or not, because the officer cannot allow himself or herself to be incapacitated because they have a weapon on their hip, a gun. The officer doesn't know you. He doesn't know if you're dangerous. He doesn't know from Adam. And so while the the lawyers for Mr. Brooks repeatedly, during that press conference, accused the officers of escalation, to me it's quite obvious that Mr. Brooks was the one who was escalating. That's the way I see it. That's the way I see it. I don't see this as a racist event in the least. Not in the least. I don't see this as police abuse in the least. Not in the least. And so now every time an incident occurs where an individual is shot, it's going to be police abuse, the police should have de-escalated. Luckily, those videos exist. Because those videos don't tell the story to me that Mr. Brooks's lawyer said they told at 9 p.m. Eastern time. I guess it would have been Saturday night. The videos tell me a very different story. Even the, the talking, the voices tell me a very different story. None of this would have happened if Mr. Brooks hadn't resisted arrest, hadn't assaulted the officers, hadn't grabbed the taser, hadn't fleed, and hadn't turned and fired the taser. I hear all kinds of defenses. Well, a taser doesn't shoot six feet. How do you know the officer knew it was a taser? But he looked about six feet. They'd just been fighting on the ground for, for, for quite a while. For quite a while. I do not see this as police brutality. And the idea that this officer is going to be charged with murder? Is he going to be able to get a fair trial in Atlanta? We shall see. There's a, uh, a very, very bright man who I've read over the years by the name of John McWhorter. And he's a professor. I don't want to get him fired, but he's a uh, professor at Columbia University. And he writes for the Atlantic here and there and other publications. He writes very, very smart books. It's not a matter of whether I agree with him all the time or don't agree with him all the time. He's a smart guy who writes smart things. And I don't have time to, write his, uh, to read his entire piece in Quillette.com, uh, which was written, as I see it, June 11th, a few days back. But he tells us about a gentleman in the first two paragraphs that I'm going to read. Do not do this article justice, so you should look at it on your own. But I'm reading it because it reveals to me an individual I never heard of before. 
Tony Timpa was 32 years old when he died at the hands of the Dallas police in August 2016. He suffered from mental health difficulties and was unarmed. He wasn't resisting arrest. He had called the police from a parking lot while intoxicated because he thought he might be a danger to himself. By the time law enforcement arrived, he'd already been handcuffed by the security guards of a nearby store. Even so, the police officers made him lie down on his face, face down on the grass, and one of them pressed a knee into his back. And he remained in this position for 13 minutes until he suffocated. And during the harrowing recording of his final moments, he could be heard pleading for his life. A grand jury indictment of the officers involved was overturned. Not many people have seen this video. Not many people know who Tony Timpa is. And that may have something to do with the fact that Mr. Timpa is white. During the protests and agonizing discussions about police brutality that have followed the death of George Floyd under remarkably similar circumstances, he writes... It is too seldom acknowledged that white men are regularly killed by the cops as well, and that occasionally the cops responsible are black. As it happens, one of the Dallas police officers at the scene of Tempa's death was an African-American. There seems to be a widespread assumption that under similar circumstances, white cops kill black people, but not white people, and that this disparity is either the product of naked racism or underlying racist bias that emerges under pressure. Plenty of evidence indicates, however, that racism is less important to understanding police behavior than is commonly supposed. In 2014, John Crawford Black was shot dead by police while waving a BB gun. In 2016, Daniel Shaver White was waving a pellet gun out of a motel window and suffered the same fate. In 2015, Officer Michael Slager shot Walter Scott Black in the back and killed him as he was running to evade a traffic ticket. The following year, Andrew Thomas White was shot in the neck by a police officer and killed as he climbed out of an SUV he had crashed trying to evade arrest. In 2015, Sam Dubose Black was shot dead as he tried to escape a traffic summons in his car. The same year, Michael Parker White was shot dead in the same way while trying to escape a ticket for a moving violation. In 2016, Philando Castillo Black was shot dead in his car by a cop as he reached under his waistband for his license and registration during a traffic stop. The same year, Dylan Noble White was shot dead under almost identical circumstances. Also, Alton Sterling in 2016 Black was shot dead in front of a convenience store as he was being detained before unruly conduct. The same year, Brandon Stanley White was shot dead in a convenience store for trying to avoid a warrant. So the perception that police regularly kill black people under circumstances in which white people would be merely disciplined is in fact a misperception. And it goes on. And his ultimate point is training, uh, tactics, that this is the main problem. He says, yes, there are race issues. He says, don't get me wrong. But the big problem is not that. And so I circle back. When I see the shooting of Mr. Brooks, and now it appears to me that virtually any shooting 
is going to be treated as a racial incident is extremely worrisome. And this cop who shot Mr. Brooks, there is no way he should be charged with murder. No way. I don't know if he violated protocol or whatever. That's a different issue. I don't know the protocol. But murder, we all saw that was not murder. I'll be right back. Lovin. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. Trayvon Martin's mother, this is in the Daily Caller, Sabrina Fulton, the mother of Trayvon Martin, is running for county commission in Florida. And so she disagrees with demands to defund the police that some have called for in the wake of George Floyd's death, according to The Guardian. Um, uh, the mother of Trayvon Martin stands at, okay. I think we need more police, she said. We need police with better standards and police with better ethics and, and better work habits. But I want residents to feel safe. I want to bridge the gap between law enforcement and the community. And um, she sounds like a real stand-up lady, I'll tell you. Because all the pressure right now. It's really lunacy. It's insane. But it's going to play out because cops are resigning. Cops are taking early retirement. Recruitments are way, way down. And these big cities are going to have a tough time getting cops. So people who claim that's what they want, you're going to get it. You're going to have your nirvana. Uh, Meanwhile, a lot of people who don't live in your community who claim to represent you in sports and in Hollywood... They're going to have all the protection in the world. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the 
essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. This is the nation's town hall meeting, and you can join in at 877-381-3811. It's amazing, really, out there, as we remove statues and TV shows and movies and all the rest, that my point, really some time ago now, about the Democrat Party is absolutely ignored. A statue is a statue, but the Democrat Party is still with us. And you're going to see people spin in the media. You're going to see them spin in the Democrat Party. But if we're truly going to confront our past, right? If we're going to have an honest discussion about racism, right? then how do we avoid a discussion about the Democrat Party? I don't want to hear about how wonderful the Democrat Party was in the 1970s and 80s. No, no, no. Of course, in the 1970s, they made Robert Byrd their majority leader in the Senate. But that aside, you have the Democrat National Committee. Excuse me, the Democratic National Committee. The Democratic National Convention, the Democratic Party. Now, It's a capital D, so it's not a description of a governing system. It is the identification, in this case, of a political organization that was the party of the Confederacy. It was the party of slave owners. And yet because we have truly a fascistic media which controls the flow of information because we have gutless NBA, NFL players, gutless owners, gutless commissioners, gutless, gutless actors in, in, uh, in Hollywood, all of whom are Democrats or vote Democrat, they're going to ignore this. The Democrat Party was the party of Confederates. Those generals whose statutes are being pulled down, they were Democrats. Jefferson Davis was a Democrat. Now, AP says, no, 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 the Democrat Party didn't birth the Klan, and that's been repeated and regurgitated everywhere else. Of course it did. Of course it did. Democrats created the Klan. Democrats wore white hoods and white robes. Well, Mark, we've had the 1964 Civil Rights Act, the 1965 Civil Rights Act, known as the Voting Rights Act. That was proposed by a Democrat president. Yes. And a smaller percentage of Democrats voted for it than Republicans. And just because the Democrat Party favors massive big government, the centralization and control of individuals, 
doesn't mean the Democrat Party should get a pass. Pulling down Confederate statutes. The party elected Robert Byrd as its majority leader in the 1970s. I'm not talking about the 1870s. I'm talking about the 1970s. Take a look at the Democrat Party platform in 1924. I'm not talking about 1824. I'm talking about 1924. In every case, in every case where a governor stood for segregation, it was a Democrat. And so what do the Democrats try to do? What they always do, rewrite history. But they'd be Republicans today. No, they wouldn't. Embrace your history. Embrace it. You look at the 1857 Dred Scott decision, which really enshrined by the Supreme Court slavery. An abomination in every respect. An activist court, I might add, as I explain in Men in Black. An activist court. Well, who was Roger Taney? Roger Taney was from South Carolina. He was the Chief Justice of the United States. A Democrat. Look at the Plessy versus Ferguson decision in 1896. Oh, I know you don't get this in law school. You don't get it in college. You don't get it in high school. You don't get it on ESPN. You don't get it in Beverly Hills and in Hollywood. No, no, no. All Democrats. The mayors of these cities, all de- But it's okay. They're progressives now. Really? And how exactly are they helping minorities? So you can see what complete hypocrites we're dealing with here. Complete hypocrites. Democrats. And the irony is 90-95% of African Americans vote Democrat. Well, because these politicians care about us. No, they don't. They're manipulative. If they cared about you, for half a century they've run most of our major cities. They have a funny way of showing it. This is the hypocrisy that we have to witness each and every damn day. These media figures, most of them are Democrats. But don't tear down that name. No, 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 no. Don't desecrate those signs. No. Don't do any of those things. No, of course not. Of course not. Well, I think the Democrat Party label should be ripped from every public building, should be ripped from every book, every movie, every television show. Those generals are long dead. Those are granite or bronze statues. That's all they are. But the Democrat Party lives. Maybe we should change the name. Maybe if we're going to change the name of the battleships and carriers and everything, maybe we should change the name of the Democrat Party. What should we call it? 
I don't go down this road. Where people try to hide our history. You would think, if you're really concerned about aspects of our history, you wouldn't pretend it didn't exist. You'd want it out there for everybody to see. Who is that general there? What did he do? The mobs that are pulling down these statues, they won't be able to explain it. Well, who is that general? Who's General Bragg? What did he do? I don't know. In the Confederacy, pull it down. Where's the ACLU today? They used to defend Nazis marching in Jewish neighborhoods. Nowhere. Too scared. But I shouldn't be one of the leading voices in this. Al Sharpton should be one of the leading voices. The NAACP should be one of the leading voices. She said, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't hide our history. We want it out there in the public square for everybody to see. That's why I want it out there. But no. Well, Mark, you wouldn't want statues of Nazi officers here, would you? Well, uh, we never had Nazi officers here. But that said, I'll outdo you. I don't believe any of the death camps, the concentration camps, should be bulldozed. Not one. None of them. None of them. We have a phrase in Judaism, it's never forget. Never forget. People might forget. Liars might pretend that those camps never existed. But there they are for everybody to see. Everybody. Because there's lessons to be learned. What happened here, Dad? What happened here, Mom? Well, let me tell you about this place. Or in the United States. Who is this general, Dad? Who is this general? Let me tell you about this guy. It's not a perfect analogy, but it's good enough. I also know history. I also know the French Revolution. The Communist Revolution in Russia. The Communist Revolution in China. You look at the Taliban and ISIS. Destroy all history. All of it. All of it. The world begins today. The world begins today. The world begins today. Let me ask you a question. In Italy, are they tearing down all the statues of all the emperors, some of whom were brutal. Many, if not most, of whom enslaved the populations that they conquered. Should we tear those down? Many of you have gone to Italy to look at them. How about the Colosseum, where Christians were brutalized, brutalized, in a thousand different ways? Should we tear that down? 
Should we tear it down? If you're Italian, should you tear it down? You look at, uh, you go to Jerusalem. Just some examples. And you see the second temple. 100,000 Jews, way back then, were killed by the Romans. Brutalized. Women and children, too. Many of them on crosses. In fact, so many crosses were used, they were running out of trees. And so they had to reuse the crosses. Should they forget about their history? No. They fight for their history. They want to know all about that temple. And they pray at that temple. Again, not a perfect analogy. But history is history. There's no perfect society. None. Some are better than others. Some are even great, like our own. Like our own. The flag, the American flag and the national anthem. That flag drapes the coffins of men and women who've died in service to this country. That national anthem is the anthem of America to unite America. I'm sick and tired of being told that kneeling during the national anthem or kneeling at the American flag has nothing to do with our military, has nothing to do with our country. It's police brutality. That is a lie. Those are cowards who say that. Like J.J. Watt, a complete moron. Or Kaepernick or the rest. So you're not only tearing down Confederate statues. Now you're tearing down the country. The flag and the national anthem. We know what you're doing. We're not stupid. We know what you're doing. And the vast majority of us will not tolerate it. That is, you can take your sports and shove it. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. You know, I see these various polls. I don't know the accuracy of these polls. 
But let's just stipulate that they're accurate. Just to play along. If that's true, this country is facing uh, a quick demise. Just look around you. Absolute lawlessness. Uh, the, the endless race baiting. The censorship. The disrespect for, for what's come before. With the imperfections pointed out. God knows. The attacks on the founding. The indoctrination now in elementary, secondary, colleges, universities. The media, which is now a propagandist operation for the left. And if they succeed in November, uh, it'll be very difficult to claw our way back, just so you know. So keep that in mind when you're upset about a presidential tweet. Mr. Producer, you reached out to LeBron James' various surrogates, correct, to try and invite him on the program? Any response? Nothing. I have strong disagreements with Mr. James, but I've treated him with nothing but respect. And I wish he would come on the program. But too many of these guys on the left whatever their race, whatever their profession, they hide. They hide. They only do interviews with people who agree with them or in their comfort zone. Access to millions and millions and millions of people, you in my audience, but they hide. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. It's quite obvious that It's extremely difficult to maintain a Supreme Court that adheres to the Constitution. You see, for Democrats on the left, they know exactly what they're getting when they appoint a Breyer or a Sotomayor or a Kagan, a Ruth Bader Ginsburg. They know that their nominees will be in for a tough fight, but They won't be personally destroyed. They won't see their character put through the grinder. None of that stuff, because Republicans don't do that. But Republicans, who are nominated typically, lie. I don't even mean to the Senate. They lie to the president who's going to nominate them. John Roberts is a liar. Sorry, I'm speaking as we like to say truth to power. John Roberts is a liar. Neil Gorsuch is a liar. And Neil Gorsuch has been moving left through a number of opinions now, particularly when it comes to criminal law, but now when it comes to the culture. For some reason, the Supreme Court, five members, six members of the majority, 
seems to think that it should nationalize cultural issues, nationalize so-called moral issues, and have the first and the last say. Why? Well, because you're just not moving fast enough. They want same-sex marriage? You're a little slow, off the mark? Well, then here, take this. Oh, okay. And it's not just that. It's, it's been going on for half a century. Does anybody believe that those men in Philadelphia and those in the ratifying conventions in the various states would have instituted a constitution that empowers a court to do what this court does from time to time? There's no way. This is why I wrote the book, The Liberty Amendments. So three-fifths of Congress, or better yet, three-fifths of the state legislatures acting within 24 months could find a decision by the court null and void. Because right now there's no check. The court's simply too powerful and simply too political. The very first book I wrote was a book called Men in Black. And it stunned people. It went up to the New York Times list. It was number three on the list. Before my radio show is as big as it is today. It was published in 2005, 15 years ago. And nothing's changed. Despite the appointment by this president of certain individuals as justices. Sam Alito has done a very good job. But the leading light on the court is clearly Clarence Thomas, followed by Alito. You'll notice the status activists on the court, when it comes to these big decisions, almost never break ranks. This has been going on as long as I've been watching the court, which is a long, long time, folks. So the the, the arc of court decisions in history is always moving in one direction. Always moving in one direction. Now, what am I talking about? Well, there are a number of decisions by the court today. All of them bad. Our buddy Daniel Horowitz, he's so good at this, has summed it up over a conservative review. And he says, within 35 minutes today at 10 a.m. Eastern, what some thought was the most conservative Supreme Court of all time, I don't know about all time, concocted a fundamental right to transgenderism in the context of labor law, erased the Second Amendment, and interfered with a state death penalty case, but declined to interfere with a California law that criminalizes law enforcement cooperation with federal immigration agents. Taken in totality, the so-called conservative legal movement, which has promoted the idea of appointing better judges rather than fighting the entire concept of judicial supremacy, has failed miserably. Now, in Horowitz's book, but in my early book, Men in Black, I talk about, in part, a number of things, but the Judiciary Acts and how Congress does have the authority to limit the scope of the court 
Newt Gingrich has written that sometime after I wrote Men in Black. Horowitz has, has written it a few years back. But we're considered outliers. You know, oh, they must be kooks. No, we're constitutionalists. Here's a brief summary of four very important decisions and orders issued by the court today. The justices denied certiorari, or in other words, denied a case, to gun rights groups in 10 gun cases where states have denied citizens the right to carry arms under any circumstance. Justice Thomas dissented in the denial of the cert in the New Jersey right to carry case and was joined by Justice Kavanaugh. It takes four justices to agree to hear a case. And it's not clear which of the others would also have agreed but didn't sign on to the dissent, despite the plain meaning of the Constitution, 10 years after the Supreme Court's Heller decision, and with circuit courts split, the Supreme Court refuses to act. Because you see, ladies and gentlemen, the Second Amendment is one of those amendments that the left and the establishment don't like that much. There's certain parts of the Bill of Rights they just don't care about. So they cherry pick. And as you've seen, the Second Amendment is crucially important, particularly when you have a breakdown of society. And if, in fact, police departments are disbanded, you have nothing left but to defend yourself. What else did they do? In the United States versus California et al., the Supreme Court denied the petition from the Department of Justice, which is very rare to overturn a Ninth Circuit ruling upholding California's sanctuary law. California prohibits local law enforcement from cooperating with federal immigration agents. Only Thomas and Alito would have granted the appeal. So you really have two originalists on the court. That's it. And what has become a growing trend, next one, of SCOTUS interference with the few remaining capital punishment cases... The justices remanded a Texas capital case because they believed the accused did not have sufficient counsel. Alito dissented, joined by Thomas, and on this one, Gorsuch. And then the one that's getting all the attention today. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, I do not have Wuhan China virus. I have whooping cough. No, I don't have anything, actually. In a decision written by Justice Gorsuch, the court ruled that Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, which was passed in 1964, before anyone could fathom transgenderism, applies to transgenderism and sexual orientation. See, just a thumbnail, the 64 Civil Rights Act is very, very important. And basically, among many other things, it prohibits the discrimination in hiring and firing and employment of individuals based on sex. In other words, whether they're male or female. Not sexual orientation. That is, what you do with your genitalia. It's what genitalia you have. Got it? Taken together, these decisions show the court believes that it is an inalienable right to transgenderism and illegal immigration, but not to the Second Amendment. The court believes it can tamper with every state criminal and capital conviction on every evolving novel grounds, but it somehow believes a state can criminalize foundational federal immigration powers. A world upside down, 
And we only have one consistent originalist on the court, Clarence Thomas, with Justice Alito a step or two behind him. By far, the most devastatingly consequential case of the day was the transgender discrimination case, quote-unquote. Bostock versus Clayton County. Writing for the majority, Gorsuch claims that when the statute uses the term sex, it can apply to sexual orientation and gender identity. Quote, an employer who fires an individual merely for being gay or transgender violates Title VII, he says, of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. He was joined by the four Democrat appointees as well as Chief Justice Roberts. Well, it's good to know that gender and sex are indeed not separate things, as the Rainbow Jihad lobby, he writes, has indicated for so many years. In other words, he's saying that's not what that community argues. But either way, this ruling is absurd beyond belief. And I'll tell you why. What Gorsuch does is not just intellectually dishonest. It's intellectually disgusting. He rewrites the Civil Rights Act. He rewrites this section of it. He plays word games and semantics. And then he says he's the originalist. And all the reporting on this today has been that this is a historic decision, not that this is a horrific violation of separation of powers. Not that we have a court out of control that ignores the legislative history, ignores the legislative intent, ignores the actual legislative text, violates the will of Congress, violates the people that represents Congress. But this is historic. And let me tell you what else it's going to unleash. Massive litigation against businesses in this country. Against religious institutions in this country. Against educational institutions with a religious bent in this country. Because now, it's not your sex, that is your genitalia, that you can't be fired for. It's what you do with it. In other words, in other words, there's going to now be all kinds of moral and other sorts of conflicts that take place. And so what Gorsuch and Roberts have done with the four leftists on the court is created another road decision. Another road decision. Big on propaganda and platitudes, short on specifics, written with absolute intellectual dishonesty, and now the public, the rest of us, have to tackle it and deal with it. This is how you disunite a society. This is how you show absolute disrespect for the rule of law. I mean, after all, if the court isn't going to comply with a statute, then why should the people comply with a court decision? It is an insane argument that Gorsuch uses. Where he tries to be very, very clever. And so, you won't get the facts from the media. The one good thing about Supreme Court opinions is you can actually read them. 
and understand where the judge or justice is coming from? Uh, Gorsuch's decision is a Roe v. Wade decision. That is, he will be ridiculed over time, just as the Roe decision, even though people like the outcome, has been ridiculed. And so the court, again, is a Politburo. It's not a court of justice. And as I said in Chapter 1 in Men in Black, these are radicals in robes. As Ed Meese once said years and years ago, the American people will never be able to regain democratic self-government unless shape public policy until we curb activist judges. And as I say, the problem is these people lie when the president is a Republican, especially if he's a conservative, they lie. Because they so desperately want to be on the Supreme Court where they can tell you and me what to do. And in this area social or cultural issues, the Supreme Court has nationalized or federalized damn near every one of them. And in no instance to uphold traditional faith or traditional morals, ever. And the court is impatient. It's in a hurry. So I have some states passing laws that do exactly what the Supreme Court decided today in Gorsuch. But it's not fast enough, you see. And then there's always this. Just because you're a judge or a justice doesn't mean you don't have a massive ego. As a matter of fact, it usually means you do. Your honor, your honor. And people are trying to make their case an oral argument. But your honors have to keep interrupting them because they're so smart. Why listen when you can badger which I believe is one of the reasons Clarence Thomas does not speak at these oral arguments. He wants to actually hear what the parties have to say. After all, it's not a trial court. There aren't motions. There aren't, there aren't the kinds of disputes you have that a judge has to work through at a trial level. It's the Supreme Court. Don't you want to hear what the parties have to say? Apparently not. It's more important what the law clerks write than what the parties have to say. Shame on Justice Gorsuch. Just another... Just another phony. And by the way, Justice, what a truly stupid opinion. Honest to God, it is stupid. I know it'll work wonders for your legacy. I know the New York Times is going to love you. But that's quite a bad standard, given the fact that the New York Times covered up the Holocaust. Doesn't matter what the New York Times has to say. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, 
Woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. What aren't we talking about? In the last few days and weeks, we keep talking about police reform and police reform and police reform. Okay, got it. Some things we can do, I'm sure. What else don't we talk about? Criminals. Wow. Criminals. You know, they're out there. We don't talk about crime. We don't talk about personal responsibility and accountability. Proper behavior in a civil society. I keep hearing these Marxist professors on TV. We got to address the system. They don't want to address the system. If they wanted to address the system, they'd support things that challenge the system. Things that challenge Democrat mayors. Things that challenge big centralized government. They don't want that. Because that's who they are on the left. So they'll continue to oppose. And you've heard me fight for this for years and years and years. It's starting to pick up on the right. School choice. Because Lamarck Legal Foundation was one of the leading organizations suing for school choice successfully. How about some wealth creation of prosperity through capitalism and entrepreneur? Can't have that. No, 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 no. But we're going to challenge the system. No, they're not. They are the system on the left. I'll be right back. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. When the going gets tough, a tough get. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Let me tell you what's going on in New York, particularly in Brooklyn. And nobody will care except you, my great audience. Bill DeCamio has been targeting Orthodox Jews and Hasidic Jews in New York, particularly in Brooklyn now, for years. He says horrible things about them because de Blasio is a Marxist. You remember he used to support Noriega, excuse me, not Noriega, Ortega, and the, uh, and the effort in the Sandinistas. His wife is a big leftist, but he's always been a hardcore leftist. So far left, even Cuomo can't stand him. Saw his daughter got arrested. He's very proud of her. And he wants to cut the police budget from about $6 billion to $4.9 billion, just a figure he grabbed off the top of his head. 
But he really has a hate on for the Jews in his city. As I speak, do you know what he's doing, Mr. Producer? He is welding the gates of the biggest park in the Jewish community shut. So the Jews there can't take their little kids to play in the park because that would violate his edict when it comes to the Wuhan China virus. Now, is that what he did for the last two weeks with the protesters and rioters, Mr. Producer? As a matter of fact, he supported Black Lives Matter. He's going to name streets after Black Lives Matter in every borough. Is that what he did when the transgender cause in the marching going on? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's like these governors. These governors who would, who would arrest people if they dare to go to church, but if they go to Planned Parenthood or they go to a, uh, a government-run liquor store or what have you, that's okay. Little stores, no. Warehouse stores, yes. Gun shops, no. <clears throat> Abortion clinics, yes. But it's actually happening now. Joel Fisher has posted uh, the actual welding that's taking place at the gates. It's Barrow Park in Brooklyn. So your little kids shouldn't try and break in and actually use the park. Hundreds of thousands of people gathered yesterday at Brooklyn Museum protesting the system, supporting Black Lives Matter. But in this Jewish community, they're welding the gates shut. Shut. He writes, authority, uh, Joel Pollack at Breitbart, authorities appear to have been singling out parks in Jewish neighborhoods of Brooklyn for enforcement. While large protests have been tolerated in other parts of the same borough, Central Park was full of sunbathers on Sunday, according to the New York Post. And tens of thousands of demonstrators gathered in Brooklyn for demonstrations in support of black trans individuals. While many people wore masks, there were a few other attempts at social distancing despite coronavirus. Meanwhile, de Blasio reportedly told contact tracers, people employed to track the movements of those confined, excuse me, confirmed to be infected with the coronavirus, not, I repeat, not to ask patients proactively if they've been in a Black Lives Matter protest. See, this isn't about following science. It's about following Marxism. De Blasio has appeared to apply a double standard for months, keeping the city's religious institutions shuttered while allowing places where people gather, often in larger numbers, to remain open. He also seems to have taken particular relish in closing down Jewish communal observances. In April, he personally oversaw police efforts to break up a Jewish funeral procession, then called out the Jewish community specifically on Twitter as having broken the rules. Last week, two Catholic priests and three Orthodox Jews sued New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, Mayor DiCamio, for religious discrimination based on their lenient attitude toward Black Lives Matter protests over the killing of George Floyd in police custody, but cracking down on religious services. Uh, They probably have populated the courts with uh, Gorsuch and Roberts types. Complete sellouts. What a joke. 
Now, where's APAC? Nowhere. Where's the Anti-Defamation League? Nowhere. Where's the American Criminal Liberty Union, a.k.a. the ACLU? Nowhere. Where's J Street? Nowhere. They're all attacking Netanyahu and the government in Israel. They're all attacking Donald Trump. But we're going to challenge the system, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Democrat Marxist mayors destroying their cities. Governors, impotent, destroying their states. Using police powers for political reasons. Against the police. In certain circumstances with certain constituency groups. For the police in certain circumstances for constituency groups. But we're going to challenge the system, ladies and gentlemen. Not corrupt mayors. Not corrupt governors. Not corrupt economic policies in these cities. Not corrupt teachers unions in these. No, 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 no. But we're down for the revolution. No, you're not. You're the system. The left, the Democrats, you are the system. You run the schools. You run Hollywood. You run our cities. You're the system. You run our courts. At some point, that's going to become clear when the rest of us are going to lead the resistance against this, whatever this is. You know, if you haven't tried... Super beat soft chews. Super beat soft chews. They're really great. I'm telling you the truth. Super beet soft chews combine non-GMO beets with a powerful new ingredient, grape seed extract. Now, the grape seed extract used in super beets chews has been clinically shown to be two times as effective at supporting normal blood pressure as a healthy lifestyle alone. What is that candy that's, that's a chew? Star, star, what is that called, Mr. Producer? Starburst. That's what they remind me of when I chew these things. They're really good. Better blood pressure means more energy, the way nature intended, without the jittery caffeine or stimulants. Now you can take just two delicious chews a day, anytime, anywhere, to get the blood pressure support you need and the energy you want. Do what I did and support your heart health with delicious Super Beach Chews. Get your Super Beach Chews right now. Here's where you go. LevinsBeats.com. That's plural. L-E-V-I-N-S. LevinsBeats, B-E-E-T-S, dot com. It's simple. LevinsBeats.com. And when you buy two bags, they'll throw in the third one for free. That's LevinsBeats.com. L-E-V-I-N-S-B-E-E-T-S.com. LevinsBeats.com. Look what's going on in this six-block area in Seattle. I want to thank General Mattis and General Kelly and General Mellon, or Mullen. I want to thank uh, the Secretary of State, excuse me, the Secretary of Defense, Esper, some of the other knucklehead ex-generals and generals out there. You've made it now impossible for the President of the United States to trigger the Insurrection Act, which was first passed during the presidency of Thomas Jefferson, which has been used by more presidents in the last century than haven't used it for a whole variety of reasons. And now I want to thank them because they've undermined the commander-in-chief and the president of the United States, and they've made it enormously difficult to get control over our streets from breakaway cities and breakaway governors. Thank God these generals weren't around during the Civil War. 
or the North would have lost. That's right, I said it. That's right, I said it. Lawlessness reigns. Our criminal justice system is under attack. Our military is under attack from within, for God's sakes. So you're seeing anarchy. You're seeing the burning down of buildings. Now here's the thing. Most of the people commenting on TV and online, ex-generals, they don't live in these communities. They have no idea what's going on in these communities. Most of them don't set foot in these communities. Some who were raised in these communities fled these communities and have no intention of going back. That's why LeBron James is ducking my interview. Why not go back? Why not live in these communities? If you're a multi-millionaire athlete, a multi-millionaire actor, an ex-general, if you're Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon and all that, why aren't you living in these communities? Nancy Pelosi, why are you in a winery? Chuck Schumer, where does that fool live in, a bat cave? I have no idea. I know where they don't live. It'd be a fascinating investigative journalist project to find out where all these athletes actually live. What communities, no doubt in systemically racist communities, to find out where all these broadcasters live. To find out where all these Hollywood types live. Well, we know, Hollywood. But just to make the point, to find out where all these politicians live, even politicians that represent a number of these areas, where do they actually live? Wouldn't that be fascinating, Mr. Producer? Where do they all send their schools? Do they go into these communities and send their kids to these? No. But we got to fix the system, you know. And how do we do that? Keep electing Democrats. LeBron's putting together a voting group. What are they going to do? Vote for Republicans? Not a damn one. And it's soon. And constantly. We need to talk about this upcoming election. Because in the end, it's all aimed at defeating Trump. And taking the Senate. And seizing control of the entire federal government. That's the goal. Well, they talk about changing the system. The truth is, they are the system. We're the outsiders. The constitutionalists, we're the outsiders. You see what see was done by the Supreme Court today? How come there's no talk about criminals and crime? How come it's just the cops? How come we can't have debates about who's killing whom in our cities? No, no, you can't do that. More important that we pull down Confederate statues. And that's not going to improve a single human being's life. Doesn't matter. It's the system. We've got to burn down the system. But you are the system. No, no, no. All right, I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I am 
I'm posting something. I hope you'll go on my uh, Twitter and Facebook and take a look at it. I'm posting it right now. You know, the <laughs> the Jews in this community. <laughs> you got to give them you got to give them credit here. They uh, simply cut the gates open and sent their kids into at least one of these parks, the major park. Um, so I hope you'll take a look at that. And I'm posting the following. The Jews have survived over 3,500 years and faced horrific evil. And I think they'll easily survive to come, yeah. Uh, but that said, uh, the city's being killed, of course. By the way, are you, have you joined my uh, Twitter or Facebook sites? I get uh, admonished all the time not mentioning this enough. If you're not part of the Levinite family, you really should be. I post a lot. Ask poor Mr. Producer. I send everything to him and ask him to post it. And you know what's going through the back of Mr. Producer's mind? Why doesn't he learn how to post this himself? His wife must be all over him on it. He's been doing it a long time. Anyway, you go to Mark Levin Show Twitter and Mark Levin Show Facebook. I also want to encourage you to join our podcast family. So if you're ever... uh, Uh, unable to listen to the show live or on terrestrial radio or satellite radio or stream it, you can listen right on your phone or anywhere else for that matter. It's three easy steps. So I want to encourage you to do it. MarkLevinShow.com. That's the mothership. Mark Levin. Levin is spelled like Levin, but in Philadelphia, we pronounce it Levin. Mark Levin, L-E-V-I-N show.com, marklevinshow.com. That'll take you to the homepage. Then on the homepage, you'll see in the middle at the top, it'll say audio rewind. Click that. Audio rewind. Click that. That's the second click. That'll take you to the podcast page. And then you choose one of the platforms there. For instance, we have Apple Podcasts, which is very popular. Google Podcast and Stitcher. Those are three. Click one of those and you're set. Right, Mr. Producer? Three clicks and you're in. And then you can take it everywhere. And you can annoy people. Like play it real loud in a grocery store or something. But I'm quite serious. This is the backup. If we are ever preempted on a station, if we ever move off a station or out of a city, These things happen rarely, but they happen from time to time when knuckleheads make knucklehead decisions. Uh, You'll always have the podcast. So it gives you the freedom to be your own scheduler. If you can't can't listen to the program when it is scheduled on your radio, you can listen to it, period. And by the way, I want to thank all of our affiliates for being our affiliates because we have the best affiliates, period. But that's MarkLevinShow.com. Click on Audio Rewind, middle of the top of the homepage there. That'll take you to the podcast page, and then you pick your podcast platform. Apple, Google, Stitcher. It's that simple. We'd love to have, we have millions and millions of people there. Between the podcast and streamlining and the Mark Levin app and the iHeartRadio app, what else? Satellite radio, 400 uh, affiliates, the best affiliates. Um, You can't miss us. We want you to join us, particularly now with all the crap that's going on. Folks, write this down, blindster.com. That's blindster.com. And I'm very glad I found Blindster, the best window treatment company there is anywhere. 
I even went to blindster.com, placed my second order. I placed an order several years ago, another order, and I couldn't believe how easy it was to measure and install my blinds. And they're beautiful. And now you can do it too, because I, if I can do it, I know you can do it. Blindster.com founder Kyle Cox is a great patriot, has a wonderful family, and his business is owned by him and his family. It's a family business. And he's setting the new standard for customer service. Kyle and his team are so confident you can do it yourself that if for any reason your blinds don't fit, even if you didn't measure it correctly, Blindster will remake the blinds in the different size needed, free of charge, you only pay shipping. If you can use a tape measure and a screwdriver, you can install the highest quality custom shades, shutters, and blinds and save a bundle. And save a bundle. So go to blindster.com right now, get 50% off, 50% off by using my promo code mark at checkout. That's blindster.com promo code mark, blindster.com promo code mark. We've got a lot more to jump into, and I'm actually going to take some of your calls next hour, too. And if anybody out there knows LeBron James, tell him Mark is looking to have him on the program so we can discuss what it is that he's promoting. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, Lots to squeeze in in the last hour. First of all, John Bolton. I've known John Bolton for decades. I considered him a friend. He asked me and a number of other people to help lobby the president for his appointment to National Security Advisor, which I was happy to do. Now, he knew that he had some serious disagreements with the president, but he also knew that he was there to serve the president and help the president implement his policies and give him his opinion, as he should, and then the president will make the final decisions. John has a very strong ego, very strong personality. But I also thought he was quite solid. I've never been more wrong in my life. I've been calling this a tell-all book. It's not even that. When you serve as national security advisor to a president of the United States, he has to have complete faith in you, even if you both come to severe loggerheads even if you're fired or you resign. You don't turn around and then do grave damage to the office of the presidency by setting a standard or a precedent by turning on the president of the United States. If John Bolton thought the things that the president was doing during the time he was there were impeachable, were dangerous, were ill-conceived, or any other words you want to use, then he should have resigned then and there. But he didn't. And truthfully, if he really wanted to make his case, then he shouldn't have signed a lucrative book deal. 
Just make your case. I've never seen anything more sleazy, quite frankly. You sit in the most important meetings. You give and get confidential information and advice. The president has your trust and you have his, even though you may not get along very well. I don't know the details. But I've never seen a national security advisor to a president do anything like this. And so he'll wrap it up in drama his differences with the president, that we were at the precipice and Trump wouldn't listen and on and on and on. As if he's a child upset with his parents. There are a lot of people out there who don't like John. A lot of people who work within the Department of Justice who don't like John. They don't like the way he he, uh, spoke, treated them, and so forth and so on. That's the nature of being in high office for a long time. But now he's exploiting the position he held. He's exploiting the president. He's trying to do maximum damage to the office, to the president, and quite frankly, trying to get Joe Biden elected. Absolutely shameless. And Martha Raddatz is very excited. She's already posted. He's the man the president doesn't want you to hear. So any constitutional issues, Martha Raddatz is just too stupid or such a partisan. Remember Obama? The Obamas attended her wedding. That that's the kind of headline they give. I just sat down with John Bolton, President Trump's former trusted advisor, for an exclusive one-on-one interview, she writes, with no question off limits. Watch the special event Sunday at 9 on ABC. Bolton knows exactly what he's doing. She knows exactly what they're doing. He was hated by the media. Now he'll be loved until they hate him again. But he'll be used. He's what the communists used to call useful idiot. And unfortunately, John's become a useful idiot. Even more troubling to me, because I've been very close to this man for decades, is his lawyer, Chuck Cooper. And he and I work very closely together in the Department of Justice. An old friend. A good friend. Not anymore. When Bolton needed a lawyer, who did he hire? Chuck Cooper. Chuck Cooper said, could have said no, but he said yes. If the president is defeated, in part it will be on the, on the hands of Bolton and Cooper. On both of them. Cooper has a law firm. Often represents conservative causes. I want nothing to do with them from here and out. Period. All these forces are arrayed against this president. Really arrayed against us. The American people. They keep talking about the president's polls. They blame the pandemic on the president. They blame the riots on the president, even though he has nothing to do with any of it. He doesn't give a unity speech. He gave six of them. Well, he didn't do enough. We don't like the way he tweets, Rich Lowry says. They impeach this man. 
They try to defeat his candidacy. They try to coup. They try to criminal investigation. Obama walks scot-free. He has sold himself to corporations left and right, and so has his wife. They got to be worth $300, $400 million, but they're down for the revolution too. In other words, they're part of the left. And you and I are supposed to sit here and be upset with a phrase or the president shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. The lawlessness inside the government, the lawlessness outside the government is unparalleled. And that for somebody like Bolton, who knows better to do what he's doing, uh, he has just assassinated his own character. And so is his lawyer. There's way too much at stake here. If he wants to be Omarosa, fine. Bolton's Omarosa. Go for it. And if the lawyer wants to be a lawyer for a, uh, for a sleazy act like this, then Chuck, go for it, as you have. I hope it's worth it. I hope it's worth the money you're getting. But this is being hyped up by his publisher. It's being hyped up by the media, because they're all excited. They think, here's another effort to take out the President of the United States. You know... Even apart from being the national security advisor to the pre- president has privileges to protect the office, various privileges. And there's a law in place that prevents Bolton from doing exactly what he's doing. Exactly what he's doing. He's got a lawyer. He's got a lawyer who's supposed to advise him not to do exactly what he's doing. Doesn't matter. Shame on them. Unlike other hosts, I call these people out by name. Look, I have a small circle of friends who I trust and family. And there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. I'm deeply sorry that I helped him. But he had never displayed this kind of uh, disloyalty and cowardice before. But there he is, smiling up, laughing it up with Martha Raddatz. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. I want you to listen to Chuck Todd. There's two uh, media figures that I want you to listen to tonight. One is Chuck Todd and one is Brian Stelter. These individuals inherited big jobs, particularly Todd. He, he, uh, he inherited it from Tim Russert. And boy, we missed the days of Tim Russert. Tim Russert, a Democrat who worked for fairly moderate Democrat senators, who really worked hard. Who really worked hard to be a straight journalist. Chuck Todd is not a straight journalist. Chuck Todd is Walter Durante. Brian Stelter's Walter Durante. These are people who lie, who do enormous disservice to this country, and yet they're righteous about it. Self-righteous. They're ignoramuses. They're not bright. And they don't care. I call them kamikaze reporters. Because they're in this to elect Biden and destroy Trump. 
Here he is, Chuck Todd on MSNBC, and I held on to this on Friday. Hat tip our friends at Newsbusters. And he's talking to uh, the lady, Nicole Hannah-Jones, who is the author of the 1619 Project, The Big Lie. The Big Lie that trashes America's history. She's been called out by Pulitzer Prize winners. But Chuck Todd doesn't care. Chuck Todd is there to promote an agenda. He and his Democrat operative wife. Cut three, go. How do you make sure it doesn't fade? What does it take to make sure it doesn't fade? Obviously, now, what's he talking about? How do you make sure it doesn't fade? Meaning the protests, the riots, the upheaval, the anarchy. How do you make sure it doesn't fade? Start from the top, please. Cut three, go. How do you make sure it doesn't fade? What does it take to make sure it doesn't fade? Obviously, it's on us and the press to make sure it doesn't fade, right? We have to follow. You hear that? You hear that? It's up to us and the press to make sure this doesn't fade, certainly up till the election. In the old days, this guy would be given the hook as a complete fraud. But today, he's given awards and gives expensive speeches. How do we make sure it doesn't fade? How do we make sure it doesn't fade? Obviously, it's, it's on us and the press to make sure it doesn't fade, right? We have to follow you. Go ahead. Up and, and make, make sure we know, okay, how are you spending this money? What are you doing? Well, what would you say to the activist movement? Now, keep in mind, this is MSNBC on Friday. This is a news program. Go ahead. I think the activists are going to do what they've been doing. Activists are constantly pushing. I mean, you look at um, what... Now, only the- one kind of activist you see is supposed to be celebrated and honored. Not the Tea Party, not the people who wanted their lives back several weeks ago. No, 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 no. By activists, by peaceful protests, they mean the hardcore left. They mean Black Lives Matter. They even mean some of them Antifa. But that's what they mean. The anarchist Marxist movement that will help elect Democrats. That's the base. Go ahead. Helped to bring to fruition in the five years that has existed, even though we in the media stopped covering them as much, they were still working, and that's clear. Uh, I right. think what's important is for us who can amplify these movements, we have a very short attention span as well. And I think it's important for us to not just a month from now, uh, if these protests have died out, um, to forget to go back and check. Were these promises followed through on? Were there large... In other words, we must instigate more of this. That's what we in the media must do. If you have unfreedom of the press, just read the first chapter. It lays it all out. This is exactly what's going on. These are social activists. These are status progressives, radicals. There have been uh, journalism professors, among others, that have had enormous influence on this. Out of our Ivy League schools, some clown named Jay Rosen, among others. This is the new journalism, which means no journalism. No free press. Go ahead. Side of the corporate structure, because I think that's also the issue. We cannot merely rely on uh, the, the benign gestures of corporations to fix these problems. These are larger structural problems, and government has to play a role as well. She's a news person who works for the New York Times. So fight the system, but we need government. 
I would love to debate any of them, but none of them. Would you invite Nicole Hannah-Jones on my program, Mr. Producer? I mean, I know it's pointless, but let's let's make an effort at it. Go ahead. Yeah, government may have to play a leading role, not just a role, that's for sure. Listen to this idiot. Absolute buffoon. What do you send your kids, Chuck? I don't know. Uh, government needs, uh, not me, you know, I'm just, uh, got to keep it going. Got to keep it going. When we come back, I want to show you how Brian Stelter treats a guest. I want to show you how he treats a woman. I raise that because you know damn well Brian Stelter were a conservative and he was treating a a liberal lawyer who worked for a uh, Democrat president or candidate. Uh, That's what you would be hearing. But Brian Stelter is clearly one of the dumbest and one of the nastiest people. In broadcasting. And I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Jenna Ellis is senior legal advisor to the Trump campaign. I've never met her, never spoke to her. We're Brian Stelter on CNN yesterday. Let's get this started on CNN polling. Cut 10, go. This poll was so skewed that the margin of error was 14 points behind. The only reason that CNN published this is because it's junk science. You know that. And you know that if your poll had showed the inverse and showed Joe Biden 14 points behind, you wouldn't have uh, published this poll. And so of what course, America whatever poll is, Brian, is that you're not a journalist. Published. You're not putting out facts. You are putting out activism. So and is this that's the strategy? Why fake news and is this why what you're going to do between so now and November 3rd? Anti-media strategy? all the way to election day. What evidence do you have that attacking the media actually helps you? Well, Brian, you're um, actually a defendant in a current lawsuit from the campaign uh, against CNN for publishing false and defamatory statements couched in an opinion piece. And so this is right, so you're been suing a, a couple of different news outlets for the last for publishing years. an opinion. So what? let me finish. Are you just going to interrupt me this whole time or can we actually have a reasonable dialogue? This is why everyone calls you fake news because you finally bring me on to actually talk about things and then yet you just interrupt me and won't let me make my point. So my Your point comment about polling industry poll standards is, is totally science. false and it is important to interrupt when you when you Not share true. fake information. No, you polled adults rather than registered perfectly or normal to poll voters. adults. It's That's important to know what all adults no, think and the only reason about the president. That's actually really important. We should know what voters why, as well why, as Brian, non-voters would you know about that? the president. Are you really willing to stand by such a junk science poll when they when have the plenty of time, by the way, to register Trump between now and November? Most polls right That's now are showing Trump losing That's to Biden in that head-to-head matchup. CNN's poll is in line with other recent polls. The issue, Brian, is not whether or not they're registering. The fact is that likely voters and registered voters are the ones that are going to show up November 3rd. And those polls show President Trump either ahead of Biden by the eight point margin that I just described from the Zogby poll that was published June 11th, or at least uh, within a much tighter margin. Now, I don't have time to play the second half of this, which I will. Uh, but it gets quite personal, doesn't it, Mr. Producer? I just don't think Stelter has the temperament the experience or the intelligence to do what he's doing. But then I don't think Chuck Todd does either. These guys got these jobs at a very young age and they got big responsibilities at a very young age and they have been trained and they have been taught by the worst of the worst. Andrew Lack, among others, in the case of, uh, of uh, Chuck Todd and uh, Jeff Motherzucker, 
in the case of Stelter. These aren't good teachers. These are leftists. The media's gone all the hell. Problem is, they're, they're gunning for Trump. We'll have the second half of this when I return. We'll be right back. Do you ever talk back to your radio? Then you must be listening to Mark Levin. Pick up the phone and call 877-381-3811. New nation of chop, Mr. Producer. There's more attention paid to this than any city in America right now. New nation of chop should get no water, no sewage, no electricity. They should have to grow their own food, make their own clothes, not come and go, just take a crime tape and wrap it around there. I wonder if any of the people that cheer this on in Washington or in the media or wherever, if they'd like to live there. You see, these other people want to live with what they call the systemically racist people. I don't know who that is. They don't define it very well. But we know who they don't want to live with. Because they don't. Second part of this, Jenna Ellis, senior legal advisor for Trump campaign, with Brian Stelter, senior correspondent for the Biden campaign. Cut 11, go. It is only your poll that shows him 14 points behind, and the only reason for that is because you refuse to go along with the industry standards and poll actual likely voters or registered voters rather Again, than just true. adults. And you also the, only poll 25% of Republicans so in that poll rather than... Don't you want to be sue. correct? Don't you, you want to be correct CNN and have accuracy, Brian? You call Post yourself a journalist. Uh-huh. You call yourself a journalist, Brian, and it's your job to report the facts and then let the people decide. Your ratings are so bad and so in the tank because really? America knows that CNN publishes activist agenda against President Trump. CNN is one of the highest rated channels on cable. If you think the ratings are so low, which is untrue, it shouldn't matter, but it's untrue. Why would you bother coming on? Because you asked me that it's important that your viewers, uh, for the few that there are, that they get the facts and the truth. And so I'm CNN always happy to come on, and this president is pushing back and holding... Now let's stop there. CNN has one of the biggest audiences in cable since the riots. Since the riots. And same with Chuck Todd. That's why they say, how do we keep this going? How do we keep this going? You know, I just wish neighbor- different neighborhoods were... Uh, were affected by this. You know what I mean, Mr. Producer? I just wish all the, the, uh, the, the cheerleaders for riots and looting and pretend that it's peaceful, I just wish those neighborhoods were unaffected. And the neighborhoods of those who just keep prodding this on, who think this is swell, who benefit from this, it's too bad that they're utterly unaffected. Go ahead. You know, Why is it that President Trump and his aides that, Brian, care about ratings fine. at a time like this? Whoa, 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 that, that's hilarious. Well, why is it that CNN cares about ratings at a time like this? You idiot. You're the ones who keep touting the ratings. Go ahead. Saying that President Trump cares about facts and truth. And as a journalist, you should care about facts and truth. And to stand behind All right, that's this- enough. I want to get to something else here. And good for her taking him on and confronting him. And that's what conservatives should do. 
Gabriel Sterling, and this is from last week, but it's very important, is the Georgia Statewide Voting Implementation Manager. And I want to address this because LeBron James said something that was absolutely untruthful the other day. He inferred a conspiracy because of Stacey Abrams. There's these long lines and there's got to be a reason. In other words, it's racist. Because LeBron James is not educated about how this works. The counties decide. And these counties, many of them are majority black counties where many of the decision makers are black. But that doesn't matter to LeBron James. He's not going to stand still long enough to actually inform himself. But he's not alone. This is the propaganda that's been out there for a long time. So you have Chris Cuomo, dumb as they come. And Gabriel Sterling. Now, this goes on a few minutes, so you got to listen to it beginning to end. Again, hat tip newsbusters, cut 12, go. And here's the tragedy of the travesty that the president has created on this issue. We have real voter Just remember, any travesty there is, the president has created it. All roads lead to Trump. Right? All roads. No matter what. That's how sick this is. Insane. Go ahead. One is playing out now. Proof. Please put the picture back up. Nobody needs to look at my nose. This has been going on. Georgia's primary. A mess all day and evening. Most of the problems have been in and around Atlanta. Why? That's what we're going to discuss. People waited for hours in the middle of a pandemic. Well, we know why. Because you've basically told because it's African-American, right? LeBron James tells us that's why. Case closed. Let's move on. Time to pull statues down. No, it's not. Slow down and listen. Go ahead. Let's talk about exactly that. For some context for people, 2018, 87,000 people uh, prevented uh, from voting. A disproportionate number were people of color, young voters, groups typically favoring Democrats. Georgia uh, has closed 5% of polling places uh, since the Supreme Court invalidated the Voter Rights Act. Most of those are in black and brown communities. You get the point. People are concerned that what they saw today... This this guy is really an S-head. The Supreme Court didn't invalidate the Voting Rights Act. The Voting Rights Act, with respect to what's taking place, is irrelevant. States that have been under the thumb of the federal government for decades, without any proof whatsoever of quote-unquote systemic racism, always, even under the original Voting Rights Act, had to have a way to get out from under federal control. But you see, that's the problem. No, it's not. It has nothing to do with anything. Go ahead what they've seen before, which is disfranchise, disenfranchisement of minorities who tend to vote Democrat. This guy's a news host. So it's disenfranchisement of minorities. It's aimed at minorities. The, the Voting Rights Act wasn't extended, even though most of it was. Doesn't matter. It's, it's a, it, the system is rigged. Now, of course, you inflame people. You provoke people. You upset people when this here, this day in and day out from the dumbest human beings in the country who get makeup, get their hair done, get in front of a camera, and burp their way to multimillionaire status. Go ahead. Take. Well, the reality of what you're seeing in Georgia today is a function of the COVID situation in large part. Uh, we did lose many polling places because it's summertime, so schools are closed. Churches opted out. VFW halls opted out. In Fulton County specifically, they lost 40 locations and collapsed many of those locations into mega precincts, which saw a lot of those amazingly long lines. We said this is so not stop. a... So stop. Fulton County is Atlanta. 
This guy is the statewide voting implementation manager. And what he was saying there is we told them that collapsing those precincts and having these super big precincts was a mistake. Go. To find other alternative locations. And those kind of polling closures and the things you're discussing are literally county decisions. They're made at the county level, and the state has zero ability to tell them not to do that, although this secretary of state has introduced a bill. So let me interpret that for the race baiters out there. That means in Fulton County, which is much of Atlanta, most of Atlanta, where decision makers are minorities, they made the decisions. Out here in the state, with a Republican governor and a lot of white guys, we told them not to do this, but they did it anyway. Okay, I'm talking in language that that I hate, but because this is presented this way by the media and others, it has to be confronted. Go ahead. If there are lines of over an hour at any time during the day, and you have over 2,000 people registered at a polling place, you have to split that polling place or supply more machines to do it. Now, what we saw today, too, was, as an example, in Fulton County, my home county, um, at a library, there were 15 machines they were sent there, but the rules of COVID spacing only allowed four voters at a time into those places. Those are the realities. Trying to get poll workers trained because we lost oh, the majority of our poll workers. The average age is 70. So we lost many of those poll workers. So we recruited the counties, recruited new poll workers that they had to train during COVID. It's very difficult to do hands on training with equipment when you can't get more than 10 people in a room. But you had the same problem in 2018. We've, Chris, you're just incorrect. We've never had these machines before. They're brand new. No, they no, no. Never the machines before. are new. The problem is not. In 2018, 87,000 people were prevented from voting. A disproportionate number were people of color and young voters. I agree with you that you knew that you had anticipation of a huge turnout. You had to prepare for it. Doesn't seem you did. And it seems convenient yeah, I, yeah. that if you're going to be able to not handle the demand, yeah, it's nice that you do it in places that tend to vote Democrat. In those in those counties where people vote to tend tend to vote Democrats are run by Democrats, and they are the ones who set the elections boards. They are the ones who hire. All right, the let, staff. Let's, so so the guy has to repeat himself because Chris is slow. That's why my buddy Chris Plant coined him as Fredo Cuomo because that's what he is. He's an idiot. So these are counties run by Democrats. This county run by African-American Democrats. They decide where all the precincts are going to go. They decide how many precincts there's going to be. They decided it in 2018. Go ahead. We've been saying for years there's problems in Fulton. Fulton County has paid hundreds of thousands of fines for violating election rules. They this repeatedly over and over again. You can go back and look, and I'm sorry to say it that way, but we have 159 counties, 150 of them had almost no problems whatsoever, and they all received the same level of training from the Secretary of State. We train the trainers. The counties are in charge of training the poll workers. We're all going to learn from this. You're right. This morning started out terribly, especially in Fulton County, some locations in DeKalb, Fulton, uh, and, and Cobb and Gwinnett. But for the most part, once we got the, the issues fixed where the poll workers just didn't know how to handle this equipment, the line started moving. At the same time, when you have 400 people lined up at a polling location, only you only allow six at a time in. And all I'm saying, Gabe, is look, I'm not looking to ascribe animus. I'm just saying. Well, 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 you just bad. did it, idiot, for the last several minutes. More than animus, race. Go ahead. It's done. 
So the narrative is a lie, but it's out there. It's being pushed by famous people like James. It's being pushed by Fredo here. It's been pushed by Stacey Abrams, on and on and on. Pretty appalling, really. But now you know the facts. Unfortunately, in this time and day, facts don't matter. I'll be right back. Mark in. Let's go to Heshi, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Heshi, what's up, bro? Hello, Mark. Thank you for letting me talk to you on the show. I love you. I always loved you, and thank you for letting me call in. By the way, you know I have my own show, the Just Enough Heshi Show. All right, Heshi, Heshi, no promotion. What's going on? No promotion whatsoever. I wanted to tell you that um, I didn't do anything special. I live in this community for 35 years. Brooklyn. Things one at a time. Brooklyn Borough Park and the Jewish community. Yeah. I represent Borough Park as an advocate. I took in 21 kids in my house one at a time. I help people as much as I can. We feed about 130 people every week. Okay. And I do it one thing at a time. Heshi, the country is a big country. They want to know why you're calling me. Well, I'm telling you why. They closed my parks. There you they go. actually targeted my neighborhoods. When other parks open, the mayor specifically keeps telling them to come to the Orthodox Jewish communities. And I felt bad because I myself with my children, grandchildren, and 102 nephews and nieces need these parks open. Plus, I'm very much into special needs children. These parents need to take their children out. So what? what so here you have uh, DiCamio who's ordering that these, these, uh, the, these parks be shut. He's using locks and chains. He's using welding. So what'd you do about it? So I'm going to tell you very simple. I, I call him Executive Idiot de Blasio, but I, what I did was is I'm a 400-pound guy. I'm going to Whoa. cut those locks. Me, I'm going to cut those You need locks. to cut back on those potato latkes, my brother. Oh, no, the wife of 32 years who oh, just hasn't God. left me for some well, reason. I, I, the best I know, but you want to live, right? I want to live, and I'm going to lose the weight, I promise all you. Right, right. But I want you to know that I myself do one thing at a time, and these parks belong to me and my kids and my neighbor's kids. And I went... Why, and why I, do you... Yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. I went, I cut the locks, I made protests, I made rallies with the kids, I had support for my neighbors and families. The police there stood there and cheered me on. I spoke to the chief, I spoke to my local councilman, Ikal Menega, my assemblyman, uh, Eichenstein, Sochai Eichenstein. Why do you think the Kamio keeps targeting the Hasidic community? He, he hates us. He really is jealous of us that we're not burning our buildings down. He sends the police and sheriffs in, which I personally talked to, and asked them not to come in. They're very good to us. We support our police, and he wants to hurt us. And I myself will cut one park at a time. I'm going to open up every single park myself if I have to go myself and cut it myself. And mm-hmm. I promise you, Mark, that I will get it done because I've done it for 35 years, and I'm going to get it done one at a time. I can't do more. I wish I could do more. I, I, I just think it is really outrageous that this Marxist keeps targeting your specific community while he's encouraging Black Lives Matter. He's encouraging people to, to march in mass. He's undermining the police officers left and right in that city. But he's got a real hate on for you guys. I can tell you that. 
He does. That's why I'm hoping to get into the city council next year. I'm going to increase the police budget. And not only am I going to watch the police, I'm going to get onto the DOB where he frivolously issues violations to the Jewish community for cracked sidewalks, for holes in the sidewalk, for not signing off jobs. He's actually torturing us and fining us. And the man has no mercy whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you right now, Mark, I'm promising you, Mark. Uh, so you're going to run for office there, you said. I am running. I'm running for city what's, council. What's your last name? My name is Tischler, T-I-S-C-H-L-E-R. Yeah. And I'm going to run for, for the city council. I'm going to be in charge. Oh, now, Heishi, if you want to knock on all the doors, you you got to drop a few. I'm quite serious. I'm trying to help. you got to drop a little bit. you got to, you got to take care of your health. But I look forward to it. Keep up the fight there. We're all behind you in this country. We salute our armed forces, police officers. God bless you. Emergency personnel, firefighters, thank you all. And America, thank you for listening as long as I'm here. And I will see you tomorrow. God bless and be safe. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. 